Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, that's obviously Rick Wimmer on the other mic there, and he ruined my intro, uh, but that's okay. I Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Voice of the Valley. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> and, doesn't sound, and it's deceptive. And it doesn't sound as good as me, so... That is true. <laughs> Very little does, so... <laughs> It's an honor to be here with you. Yeah, my host is. today with me across the table is Jeremy Pinch, and uh, it's just it's a it's a Christmas it's a Christmas joy and miracle <laughs> to uh, have him here. So, <laughs> so are you going to ask the questions or no? I said you're the host. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what came over me. I think it's the spirit of the season. It is really. Yeah, it tends to happen. You just start saying things. It's the eggnog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't want to know what kind of eggnog you're drinking. Not but. I'm not actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about the most wonderful time of the year. Do you want to Do you want to sing that or Nope, not really. You're the you're the music guy. <laughs> we are in the Advent season. We've been in it for the last few weeks, uh, and this this season, Rick, is one of the most anticipated times of the year by a lot of people. But we also are in 2020. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> and it is oh, man been the worst year ever. Um, no, not not ever, not ever. We shouldn't say that. But I didn't. I did. I said it. Uh, this year has been. It's been tough. Tough. It has been tough. Uh, why Why is the Advent season uh, necessary, especially now, especially in 2020? Why is, why is the Advent season so necessary for us as Christians? I was listening to a Christmas album um, earlier today, and, uh, and that song came on, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. You know, and I think that's a lot how yeah. a lot of people feel. I, I know people who put up their Christmas trees in October, um, because they're like, well, we've earned it. And, uh, <laughs> and you're just like, I, I, okay, that makes sense. My wife is a Christmas fanatic, and I'm sure that she would have been uh, pretty much right there too if we didn't have a live tree each year, so we have to wait till December to do that. Yeah. Um, but you, know, you can't fault people for that because it, it has been a uniquely stressful time, and relationships have been isolated um, and a lot of people have died in our country, and um, I remember uh, the first, the first, I think it was the first COVID death in Oregon was um, my wife's favorite teacher. She was pretty close to him uh, hmm. back in high school and kept in contact with him through all these years. And you know, he got COVID and had some complications, and and that was really on, early on during the pandemic. And that's hmm. just you know one example, just in you know, in our lives of, okay, this, this has touched a lot of people. It's touched us, us in various ways. It's touched a lot of other people, um, a lot worse. And in the middle of that kind of environment, when normally you would really lean into community, um, we're being told not to have community, Mm -hmm. at at least in person community, Mm -hmm. because it's dangerous. And then, um, 
the political season, we, we all lived through that and the, tor- the turmoil of that and how um, every single day when you turn on the news, uh, things start off really bad, new death tolls, um, you know, new strife. And so that's the backdrop, the dark backdrop for where we are right now. Um, and then a lot of people, small businesses have lost their livelihoods, um, I was driving through town yesterday and noticed some stores that were shuttered that I didn't know were shuttered. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about Advent, we're talking about light coming into darkness. And the reason we need that now, um, uniquely, is because when things are darkest, the light shines the brightest. Mm -hmm. And that's when you need it the most. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you ever walk through your house and stub your toe on something or one of your kids leaves out a toy? Yes. How, how's that, how's that work out for you? It's the worst. Lego, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Well, so I keep, I carry around, um, a pocket flashlight always. And I, I rarely remember that it's there, but when I'm walking into the church, you know, if it's dark, um, I remember it's there and Mm -hmm. I pull it out and that's when it's needed the most. Mm -hmm. Um, and really, that's Christmas. You know, we, we think of the fullness of time. Paul says to the Galatians, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And when you look at the time that Christmas came, Israel had returned from exile, which itself was horrible. But then they didn't return to their land to simply be restored to autonomy. Uh, it was one series of captivities and dominations by the nations after another. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Babylonians gave way to the Persians who let the Israelites return, and the Persians um, were overcome by the Greeks, and then there was the Jewish revolt with the Maccabees, and that was a time of incredible slaughter mm-hmm. under um, this one really bad dude, Antiochus Epiphanes. And then, and then, and then came the Romans and we all know how that went, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and people were crucified and it was just, they were weary, Mm -hmm. you know, and into that setting, the prophet Isaiah speaks of the Messiah. In Isaiah 9, he puts it in terms of darkness and he says, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So Zebulun and Naphtali were in the north mm-hmm. of Israel, and they were the first. Um, they would be the ones to bear the first waves of the Assyrian um, uh, captivity mm-hmm. as the Assyrian army, which was known for really especially brutal slaughter and conquest. They came there first. And so you could, you know, it's into that context of the people who experienced the darkness of captivity first up north by the Sea of Galilee. Now, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Mm. You know, we have Christ who comes and his family moves to Galilee. Mm. And so he's a Galilean. And so the prophet, in the midst of all the anguish of captivity and darkness, he says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. And so there's this glowing prophecy 
of light coming to a land that had known darkness for so long. Mm -hmm. It must have sounded totally foreign to them. Mm -hmm. But it was looking forward to the fact that the light of the world was coming. Mm -hmm. And he was coming to them. Must have been hard to believe. And so we have Christ who is that light. And we, we light Advent candles for a reason. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And Isaiah 9 goes on to say that this child born to us the son given, the government shall be upon his shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an, an Israelite and you've had nothing but brutal governments over you, mm-hmm. that would be shocking. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want that mm-hmm. child to come mm-hmm. because the government's going to be on his shoulders. He's going to be one of you. He's going to be the light of the world. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Well, that is a welcome reprieve, yeah. and that's what Christmas is all about. Yeah. A past reality that we look back on, the coming of that light, because he came then, there is now a future hope yeah. that we look forward to, yeah. which is why there's two aspects to to our advent celebration remembrance and anticipation yeah Um, i I think that's why we need christmas especially yeah because in those especially dark seasons light shines even more Hmm. yeah we always we always love this time of year uh i think especially because of those reasons even if we forget the meaning behind it yeah even though we we can get sidetracked by all the other festivities that come with Christmas time, right? There's, there's the music, there's the smells, there's the sights, there's the. Antici- Unless you have COVID, then you don't smell much. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we we anticipate, you know, these these things, and so for a lot of people, Christmas time is is a time of great celebration, joy, fudge, fudge, mm-hmm. yes, eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> For some, <laughs> for yeah. Some. Uh, but for others, this isn't such a great time of yeah. year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's people who uh, go through this time of year uh, feeling great burden, pain, reliving maybe some traumatic experiences from the past. Maybe this is a time of year when they they lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of different reasons that people struggle through this time of year, and given that it's 2020. This, this adds that weight. What would be your encouragement to somebody who, who goes into this time of year and is experiencing sorrow and pain? Hmm. Man, yeah, I think that's such an easily overlooked thing for those for whom Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's, it's, it's easy to neglect to see that your house that's lit up with lights and full of feasting and family is maybe right next door or down the street from a house that has no lights, mm-hmm. whose windows are you know, shuttered, and who's wi- with a widow who, whose kids live far away, mm-hmm. and she has no husband to celebrate with anymore the way she used to. You know, those stories are everywhere. You know, we watched, uh, we were watching Home Alone um, the other night, and you get that story of the neighbor, the, the older man who is estranged from his son because of a fight. And for him at Christmas time, it's most poignant mm-hmm. that, that there's an estrangement. My encouragement for those who are going through sorrow in this season, especially, 
um, is that Christmas is for the sorrowful as much as it is for the overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And in fact, without, without um, Christ, who is our hope at the center of Christmas, there would be no reason to be joyful. Mm-hmm. He came to address our sorrow. And sorrow is part of the Christmas story as much as all the other things that we include in the nativity sets. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in a sermon about a month ago, uh, first during the first week of Advent, you know, that we have Bethlehem, the, the, the literal ground zero of the first Christmas, mm-hmm. experiencing the most sorrow at Christmas time. So Herod catches wind of, of the, the fact that the king of the Jews had been born, because the Magi come thinking, hey, well, this guy's going to know. Uh, you know, where's the other king? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. And Herod, being who he is, uh, just a devil, um, he sends the army. And then, then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Mm. Talk about loss at Christmas. Well, Matthew puts it right there in the Christmas story, and so should we. Because that is really interesting where he goes to draw that aspect of the Christmas story. He quotes Jeremiah, and not just any portion of Jeremiah, but but we know that Jeremiah was prophesying, prophesying as um, Jerusalem was overtaken by Babylon. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, weeping, is um, she's kind of a figurehead as, as a, a mother figure for all of Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, as Israel's experiencing the, just the mass death of her people as she's losing her home and being carried away across an empire to a, to a foreign land for 70 years. That's the sorrow Mm -hmm. that Rachel is crying and weeping over. But that comes out in the middle of a passage, Jeremiah 31, which the entire context is about return and joy. And so, you know, in verse 13 through 14 of Jeremiah 31, this is, this is what comes right before that that weeping prophecy. Mm-hmm. Then shall the young women, this is the return of Israel from Babylon. This is the return from captivity and not just captivity of Babylon, but the future restoration of Israel from all her captivities. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, Mm -hmm. declares the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, that sounds like celebration, Mm -hmm. you know? And what happens? Very next verse. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Well, that's... Matthew says this this is what's going on. That kind of sorrow is being experienced at Christmas time mm. as the children are slaughtered by Herod. And but what what does the Lord say to Rachel? Because remember, we're in the we're in the middle of a passage about future restoration. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. That sounds a little odd to us because we don't usually tell somebody who's weeping, hey, stop. 
stop yeah. crying. Yeah. Especially when there's good reason to cry. Sure. Right? And the Lord isn't being insensitive. That's not what's happening. But he, he's in the middle of that kind of grief. He's directing that grief in a helpful direction. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's helpful grief, and then there's harmful grief. Neither one of those griefs ignores the reality of the pain. Yeah. But one right. of them focuses that pain in a direction that ultimately will be healing. Hmm. And that's what the Lord does. He says, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. In other words, look forward through the tears and let those tears clarify things for you. A day is coming. And you know what he does? He continues that prophecy of restoration until it culminates with this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel Hmm. and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hmm. That is the hope that brings um, resolution to Christmas grief is the new covenant in Christ who is making all things new, who when he consummates that covenant and gathers in all his people will wipe every tear away from their eyes. Yeah. That's how the story ends. Yeah, That's the future hope that shines in the middle of Christmas grief. Yeah. And so it's my encouragement to, to those who are listening who are going through that kind of sorrow um, whether it's from loneliness at the end of a very isolated year or because you're not celebrating with someone who you have before whom you love, is, is it's okay to cry. Mm. In fact, it honors God that you cry um, and acknowledge that loss. Acknowledging that loss and feeling the pain of it is a way of saying, this is not okay. Things are not as they should be. Um, this is not the way that God intended things to be. And by looking forward, like like God says to Israel in, in Jeremiah 31, to what God will yet do in response to your sorrow, um, practice his presence now. Because the fact is, in Jeremiah 31, Israel still had to look forward to the coming of the new covenant. But the moment Christ died and the temple veil was torn in two, uh, which is what Christmas happened for, by the way. Jesus needed a, a physical body in order to die physically for us. Mm-hmm. And that, that temple veil was torn in two. That's when the new covenant began. Mm-hmm. And every Christian who sorrows now is sorrowing in the context of the new covenant. And it, what has already begun will be fulfilled. Yeah. And so that's where Paul says, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We do grieve. Okay, so there's, there's, this, there's no wishy-washy, precious moment. Don't cry. Everything's going to be okay, Christianity. There isn't everything's going to be okay, Christianity. That's biblical. Yeah. But one with a whole lot of sorrow along the way. Yeah. And yet hope that gives meaning to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great reminder, Rick, because uh, so often I think a lot of people in the world and even in, in modern evangelicalism think that we should just always have a smile on our face. And if we're not smiling, then we're not obviously in Christ. And that's, that's not the case that we see in scripture. Right? <laughs> no. We see David sorrowing. We see Jeremiah sorrowing. Yeah. We see, you know, uh, people throughout history going through sorrowful moments. And yet 
if if their sorrow is done in the wrong way, obviously it's 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 wrong. Um, but you know, godly sorrow is is godly. <laughs> yeah, and and how many examples do we have of that from the giants of the faith that we study in church history? Yeah, it, oh, they they sorrowed famously, mm-hmm. and yet not without hope. Mm-hmm. And when they did sorrow without hope, um, they were confronted about yeah. for it, and then they turned and remembered who they were in Christ. Mm-hmm. My wife was uh, just finished a book on how the Reformation frees women from feminism, um, and I think this is probably where she got this story, but she told me the other day that you know, Martin Luther had been just grumpy and just going about dour mm-hmm. all through the home for, for like days on end, and his wife was trying to comfort and console him and cheer him up, and he was just not going to have it. He was just uh, you know, grumpy pants. And, uh, and one day she, he goes downstairs and she's dressed in black morning clothes. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, I'm mourning. <laughs> well, who's, who died? I'm mourning the death of God. He's like, God's not dead. She's like, well, he must be because you're acting like it. Hmm. And, <laughs> and he laughs and, and it, he snapped out of it. He remembered, yeah. I'm not, I'm not acting like God is with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm acting like he's dead. <laughs> well, he's not dead. Yeah. yeah. You know, Christmas has come, but it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, Rick, not to belabor the point that we're in 2020, but we're in 2020. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think about Christmas, and a lot of times Christmas comes and goes, and we... At, at least I do, uh, and I would assume others are like me in this regard, but a lot of times Christmas comes and goes, and we rarely think about the peace that Christ brings to mm. us. Uh, we rarely think about the hope that Christ brings to us. And this obviously has been a weary year for a lot of people. Uh, relationships have been shattered. Uh People are angry with one another. They're <laughs> angry with the government. The church has been bickering with with and not just not just the church here at Sun Valley, but the church at large is yeah. just it's just mm-hmm. a, a battle back and forth with with every little thing that has transpired this Masks. year. Masks. A little yeah. piece of cloth, yeah. which I don't understand because I'm a man of the cloth. But, you know, <laughs> a little piece of cloth has been so divisive, right? Yeah. And then and not to mention how different churches respond to the cry for social justice as the world defines it. Right. And then that kind of article is written back and forth and, you know, with the world watching. It's just, you're right. It's just nuts. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think back to Jesus as he's doing this upper room doing, doing. He's in the upper room. With, <laughs> he's doing something. He's doing something. He's with his disciples in the upper room, and he he gives them this encouragement of this this peace that I have. I leave with you. I, I I'm giving you my peace. Um, how 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 does the birth of Christ give us peace, especially in the midst of of everything that's transpired over over 2020? Yeah. Well, you know, in the most succinct answer, um, without the birth of Christ, we have no peace, Mm -hmm. right? The birth of Christ had to happen. He had to have a body to be like us, to stand as the mediator between God and man. So apart from the birth of Christ, 
there's no salvation. Okay, so the incarnation is um, is our hope, right? Yeah. So he was born to die. The little hands that Mary kissed existed to bear nails, hmm. right? Um, the swaddling cloths at his birth, you know, become grave clothes. Hmm. Like, that's what it was for, yeah. right? So there's a very real visceral element to, to Christmas that that is easy not to think about. But when we make that connection that Christ gives us his peace through his death and resurrection, um, we we can find hope in the midst of weariness. Mm. Um, so when we're wearied with our failed leaders, in especially in an election year, and we just think, yeah, everybody's everybody's unhappy, and nobody's doing the right thing. They didn't get the memo that we sent. Um, we can realize that it, in the middle of the Christmas prophecy, you know, of, of his second advent and and his first, but you know, there in Isaiah nine that we read each Christmas, um, the government shall be on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's like we may have failed leaders all around us, mm-hmm. but we can actually right now live under the lordship of the leader who will bring in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're lonely because people are isolated more than ever before um, and despairing of their loneliness, we can remember that Emmanuel means God with us. Yeah. And because he's with us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we can meditate on the reality of his presence even in our loneliness. And on that basis, reach out to his body because we need to stay connected through that loneliness as the church and not forget one another. And that's, that's part of what we're created for. Um, when we're weak and feeling like we have no strength left, we, we remember what Jesus said to Paul when Paul cried out for relief. And he says, my power is made perfect in weakness. And the preposition is really important because a lot of people think about what might happen and think that they don't have the strength to bear it. But when we look at what, when Jesus said that his power is made perfect, it is in weakness. He didn't say before. He didn't say after. It's when you need it most that his power is made perfect. And so in those moments when we think we can't go on, that is exactly when Jesus says, lean in. Because I've got power for you yeah. that you know, that is not of you. So believe me for it and walk in it. And then, and then you know, we realize that because Jesus took on flesh, um, when we're needy, we have a great high priest who knows exactly what we're mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Hebrews says. Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So, and what's his conclusion about that? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. That's how the birth of Christ ministers to our weariness. Mm. Yeah. I, one of my favorite Christmas stories is the Christmas truce of, of 1914. And so five months into the outbreak of World War I, we have two enemies at the front lines of the Western Front. 
And on Christmas morning, the Germans start singing Silent Night. And then the English on the other side join in and singing. And they end up leaving their trenches and going and meeting in no man's land where they end up celebrating Christmas together. And I was just, I was just reading a little bit up on it this morning, actually, of during that time they were playing games. They were, they were sharing feasts together, meals together. And one other thing that they did was they were gathering their dead and Hmm. bringing them back to their trenches. Wow. And I, I think about that story about in the midst of, of all the chaos in the midst of, of one of the bloodiest wars besides world war two, there is a moment, a moment of peace. And then you hear the next day, the war resumed. Hmm. And when I think about that story, I think about the promises that are given to us in scripture about what the peace of Christ not only brings presently, but what it will bring in the future. And so I'm going to read a few passages, if you don't mind. Yeah, Um, I'm going to read Isaiah 2 and Isaiah 9. So Isaiah 2, 2 through 4 says this. It says, It shall come to pass in the later days, latter days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And then this from Isaiah chapter 9 says in 6 through 7, it says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Pretty amazing stuff, it is. especially in comparison to to you know the Christmas truce of nineteen fourteen, <laughs> yeah, and then the promises that are given here. So how how does the advent of Christ secure these promises that were given here in Isaiah and other Old Testament? <laughs> okay, so think of what we've just been through as a nation, and I can't remember any time. I mean, in my not very long lifetime where things have been this divided. Mm. And so people say two things, historically, two things you don't discuss are politics and religion. Mm. Or if you come to my house, you know, my kids will say, don't, we don't politics, religion, and the great pumpkin, you know, which is what Linus says. Um, But what did you just read? You just read the intersection of politics and religion, Mm. all true religion biblically speaking, intersects through and is found in Jesus Christ. Mm. And that Christ, that same Christ, that Messiah, is the one who on his shoulders will be the government, and he will rule the nations. That's political, mm. right? And that, so the two things that we can't manage to talk about um, as a society without deep division and hostility is exactly 
what Jesus sums up in himself yeah. and says, hey, I'm the one. Yeah. I'm the one. Not I'm, I'm the one who came in precise fulfillment of so many Old Testament prophecies that, that nobody could ever have pulled off apart from divine revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter says no prophecy was ever given by man's own interpretation, but holy men wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit prophesied of the coming of Christ both times, the first and the second. And so looking at the precise fulfillment of all of his first advent prophecies, is it is it is it any is there any possibility that the second advent prophecies aren't coming? Mm. Absolutely not. And and think about that time between the testaments that I was talking about. How weary and how how much the Jews must have been questioning. Is this going to happen? Yeah. It has right. been so long. Right. How long, O oh Lord? Yeah. And then he shows up at the fullness of time. Yeah. Well, we don't know how much longer it's going to go on. Yeah. You know, this time between the first and second advent, but we know as surely as we're going to, you know, more surely than we're going to take our next breath, that he's coming. Hmm. And when he comes, he's doing this. He shall judge between the nations. There will be no more war anymore. He will settle disputes. They will have, their instruments of war will be instruments of peace and prosperity. Hmm. Um, you know, like we've said already, because Jesus was born to die and because he died and rose, all of these things have already been um secured yeah to doubt that is to simply doubt god and his truthfulness in his word but as you know his word is eternally fixed in the heavens these things can't not happen we can burn all the bibles we can erase all the podcasts we can uh, you know scratch the internet of every vestige of the bible and yet the the word is eternally fixed in the heavens we can act like it's not going to happen but one day it's happening and so really i would say that that the verse in Isaiah 2, right after after it says, neither will they learn war anymore, verse 5 is the application of that. He says, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hmm. So th- I, I would say that's the best and most appropriate thing we could do. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in that hope, that Christmas hope we have. Because we're not just feel-good um, Victorian Christians who just want just to go around saying God bless us everyone and keep Christmas all the year. We, we actually have true grounding for that hope. Yeah. And so, what should we do? Let us walk in the light of the Lord, in all the fullness of what that looks like, because no amount of lockdowns, no no amount of pandemics, um, or riots are going to erase these things from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great reminder. That that we could cut the podcast down to that last sentence mm-hmm. uh, because so much. I feel like I feel like that so much of this year has been based off of everything that's happening externally, right? Not not necessarily what's happening through Christ through His Church into the world, but what's happening with our government, what's happening with with you know what she said he said what's happening that i have to stay home instead of looking at the promises of christ and how how we can live in the light of those promises and say come lord jesus come Mm -hmm. 
even even though this doesn't make sense, even though this frustrates me, even though you know my rights may be taken away, we still say, "Come, Lord Jesus," and we still live in the light of the gospel and go forward with the light of the gospel. Um, and that, I think, that is a great application <laughs> to this year. Think about think. Okay, so back in the Reformation, right? The two English reformers, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were being tied to the stake to be burned. Talk about a dark time, right? Mm. And and what does um, Ladmer say to Ridley? He says, um, "Take have cheer, Brother Ridley. We are about to light a flame in England that will not be put out for yeah. the Word of God. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly the kind of hope that we can have. Things That doesn't mean things won't get really bad, yeah. you know? And, you know, stories point to this, you know, movies, like, it's just ingrained in us almost because, like, as if God, or you know, set us this way to realize that when it seems like there's defeat, good can't be kept down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so characters, you know, I was thinking about, like, uh, in Captain America, when the, when the, <laughs> when the, the good guys are, you know, surrounded by the Nazis, and, they, and then one of the guys says, keep going, keep going, Ace. One day I'm going to have a stick of my own. You know, he's looking forward to the day. Hey, you can do what you're going to do now, but a day is coming. Well, when we say it, it's not with uncertainty. Hey, a day is coming. And and his his name is Jesus, and he's going to bring the sword of his wrath on all sin and evildoers, and flee to him now while you have hope. (laughs) We can't... Christians... We can't be taken down. Yeah. And it's not because of us, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Yeah. Amen. You can be killed, but you cannot be harmed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because of Christmas. Yeah. And what that led to. Yeah. So I say, yes. Amen. Wonderful time of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, church, we hope that this podcast is an encouragement to you as you reflect on your year. And as you reflect on the advent of Christ, that he came and purchased us with his blood, and he's coming soon because he rose from the grave. We love you, church. Thank you, Rick, for your encouragement to me and hopefully to those who are listening. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Church, we love you, and we look forward to being with you this Sunday for Christmas Sunday. I love Christmas Sunday. (laughs) Have a great day.